And we just thank the Lord for allowing us to be still in the land of the living, to have our right minds, the activity of our lips. Praise Him. Tonight we're going to continue in our study. Tonight we're going to look at uh, something we all need, something that every believer has, uh, something that every believer in Christ has, but whether or not we know how to use it or walk in the Holy Spirit uh, is another thing. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 5 of our biblical beliefs, doctrine every believer should know. Chapter 5, we're going to look at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Catholics call him Spiritual Sanctus. Spiritual Sanctus. That's the Latin word for the Holy Spirit that Catholics use. But it simply means the Holy Spirit. And once again, if you are a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. We just got to learn to walk in the Spirit, walk in His ways, and listen to His lead, and to follow His guide. It's a learning process. One step at a time. The older we get in Christ, the uh, more mature we're supposed to be in learning how to hear the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and to yield to the uh, yearnings and the, and the nudgings of the Spirit as we go along. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come tonight and be our teacher. Lead us in your word, guide us. Holy Father, give us understanding where we don't have it before or didn't have it before. Make things clear, Holy Father, that we may see what you have us to see in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I like to call the Holy Spirit also the teacher. The teacher. The Holy Spirit is the teacher to me. He's the teacher. He's the one that... Uh, Let's us know what we need to know about himself. Page 61. Spiritual sanctus. The Holy Spirit. The Hebrew word for spirit is, is ruach. Ruach. The ruach. And the Greek word for the spirit is pneuma. It's pneuma. Page 62. So, whichever one you decide to... Uh, focus on that they both mean either the wind or breath that uh, refer to the Holy Spirit because he, he comes like a wind or breath or a gust. You can't see him. If the Holy Spirit came on day of Pentecost, they couldn't see, but it was like a mighty rushing wind. The Ruach or the Numa God. And this is why context and interpretation is so important. Words have a range of meaning. In English, for instance, the word sharp has a semantic range. We use it to describe the quality of a knife in a kitchen drawer. It can also be used to describe the intelligence of a person. It can even be used to describe how well someone dresses. In the same way, the language of the spirit, Ruach and uh, Numa, 
means different things in the Bible according to the context in which it occurs. That's why, once again, context, context, context. Context is so very important when you're reading the scriptures. You got to consider the context because the way the Holy Spirit functioned in the Old Testament is somewhat different than what he did in the New Testament. The scriptures point the, the, the scriptures paint a portrait of all three members of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. None less than the Father, none less than the Son. The, they're at work in the world and they're never divided in character or purposes to bring about the redemption of creation. So they're always working together as one. Page at the bottom of page sixty two. We want to look at the spirit from the Old Testament to the New. How it starts, how it worked in, in, in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a few verses of scripture. And how it functions in the New Testament. Either way, humanity always depended on the Holy Spirit. Always uh, leaned hard uh, against the Holy Spirit to get anything done that was uh, successful. So let's look at uh, Zechariah 4. Zechariah 4 and 6. Zechariah 4 and 6. Let's just know. And then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord, the declaration of Yahweh, in another way to say it, to Zerubbabel, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So even in the Old Testament, God didn't want anybody, which was Zerubbabel here, that was being used by him to get it twisted. He did not that you're so strong, not that you're so powerful, or that you've been so good. He said, but it's by my spirit that you're able to do what you're able to do, and you're able to have the success that you have. Even then, let's look at another Old Testament example. Numbers 11. Numbers 11. And it goes to show that anything we do for Christ has to be done through by the Spirit if it's going to be successful, if it's going to have lasting uh, 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 effects. And when I say successful, I'm not referring to what the world calls success. I'm referring to successful in the eyes of God and according to his standards. Numbers 11, 16, and 17. Numbers 11, verses 16 and 17. The Lord therefore said to Moses, he said, gather to me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and the officers, and bring them to the tent of the of meeting. Let them take their stand with you. Then I will come down and I will speak with you there. I will take of the spirit which is upon you and will put him upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you. So that you would not bear it all alone. See, 
the spirit that the that Moses had on him, God took it and also put it upon the seventy elders that were to help Moses lead the people. You can't lead God's people. You can't do anything for God without the Holy Spirit helping 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 us uh, so we can get the work done because if we could do it in our own flesh and power there would be no need for Christ to come but that we couldn't so we need to the Holy Spirit to help us to live right to minister to remain faithful it's all done through by the Holy Spirit and the same way it had to be done by the Spirit in the Old Testament the same way it has to be done by the Spirit now see in the uh the Holy Spirit came upon the Old Testament folk, but it didn't stay. He would come upon them like he did Samson, and then he would lift off of them. He would come upon them like he did uh, David several times. He was able to write his psalms and, and to uh, do the things that he did, but then the Holy Spirit would leave. It never remained. But with us in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit remains with us. Page 63. The presence of God is also said to be with Samuel in his leadership, and particularly in reference to the way he handled God's word. You see that? It says, the presence of God was with Samuel in his leadership, and I like the way it says, and particularly in the way he handled God's word. In the way he handled God's word. Let's look at it. First uh, Samuel two, real quickly. Uh, there was no prophet like Samuel. He was one and only. No, Samuel was uh, a great prophet of God, and we're going to see here. Look at First Samuel. Let's look at First Samuel three. And verse 19 through 21. First Samuel 3, 19 through 21. And once again, I'm going hurriedly because we got a whole chapter to get through. So if you don't, can't keep up, jot the scriptures down. And maybe you can call, go back and read them later at your leisure. But First Samuel, chapter 3, verse 19. Look what it says. Thus Samuel grew... And the Lord was with him, and that none of his words fail. All Israel, from Dan even to from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. See, it says everyone knew that Samuel was a prophet. Because the Lord let none of his words fail. None of his words. Samuel didn't say anything, thus says the Lord, and it didn't come to pass. If Samuel said, thus says the Lord, it came to pass. That's why they all knew. Now, I'm not so much about nowadays prophets. They're saying, thus says the Lord, every time you turn around. But, did it come to pass? You got so many, it's got so many prophets 
They say they prophets. But the words are falling to the ground. Okay. And we begin to notice at this point that there is a very close relationship between the presence of the, the presence and the work of the Spirit and the presence and the work of God's Word. The two became practically inseparable as one journeys through the pages of scriptures. Notice, he said there's a strong connection between the Spirit and the Word. The Spirit and the Word. You cannot have one without the other. Just the same way a sin and death are Siamese twins. You can't have sin without death. Well, if there's sin, something is going to die. And you can't have death without sin. So, same way with the Word and the Spirit. Where there's a Word of God, there has to be a Spirit of God. Where there's a Spirit of God, there has to be a Word from God. That's why if a prophet gives you a Word through by the Spirit, it has to line up with the written Word in some way, shape, home, fashion. A true Word of God is not going to come to you that you can't point and see it already and confirm it in, in the Scriptures. And I'm talking about from Genesis to Revelation. Because that's, that's what the prophecy and that's what the Holy Spirit is for. Not about you getting a new car, not about you getting a husband, not about you getting a wife. The Holy Spirit comes to edify the body. Uh, later with your flesh. Uh, all good things come to those who wait. So we're not going to worry about all that. But the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit is here to edify the body. So it's going to line up with the Word. That's why this is so important that we notice that the two are practically inseparable the word and the spirit it takes the word and the spirit R.T. Kendall he said this about the word and the spirit he said preaching on the Holy Spirit means more than study and you know I like to study the word of God but he said it means more than that it means more than study and more than convincing rhetoric it involves an anointing. It involves an anointing that comes from the Holy Spirit. You can't uh, 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 create it. You can't manufacture it, the anointing of God. The Spirit of God and preaching with the Holy Spirit comes with an anointing. No matter how much I know, we know, it has to come with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when it's not there, you will know it. The Apostle Peter uh, unequivocally says that the prophet spoke from God as they was carried along by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter two, Second Peter one, verse twenty one. He said the prophets were carried by the Holy Spirit when they prophesied. Again, notice the connection between the Word and the Spirit is unmistakable. You know, they spoke. As if were led by the Spirit. If fallen sinful human beings are going to be capable of rightly portraying God's will in the form of His Word, they would need divine leadership for those prophetic tasks. Divine leadership. Divine leadership. And I just want to give you one example. I don't want to get uh, sidetracked and go off on these rabbit trails, but I want to give you one example of. 
somebody that lacks divine leadership. I seen the preacher today on the, on the news, and, and he was saying that uh, if anybody, and like I said, I heard it with my own ears, is on the news. He said, if anybody comes into his church with a mask on or talking about COVID vaccine, he said he was going to put them out of his church. And he said, because he said, COVID-19 and, and, and all this is just a hoax that the Democrats are coming up with. And he was a pastor. And guess what? Newsflash, he had the church was packed out. It was they was packed from wall to wall, standing room only. You hear that junk. But he said, you know what else he said when they interviewed him? He said, the Lord Jesus told him that. Hey! Listen to me! That's why you need the Holy Spirit. That's why you need the Word and the Spirit. When I was listening to him, Lord, I hope we get through here today. But when I was listening to him, I was waiting for the explanation. Or I was waiting for the scriptures that supported his, his, his belief. Because, you know, everybody, hey, give him time. Maybe maybe there's a scripture in there that I never read. I was waiting for, okay, what did Jesus tell you? So I was waiting for the scripture to back up what he was saying. None of that. And that type of stuff needs to, go, needs to be thrown out with the bathwater. Word and the Spirit. He and, and the, the Apostle Peter said that these prophets spoke as God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But now we have a completed Bible. Back then, it wasn't a completed canon of Scripture. They didn't have Genesis to Revelation, nice and neatly bounded up in a bonded leather uh, cover uh, like we have today. They didn't have that. They would, so every now and then they, would, they may got a letter from one of the uh, apostles that circulated through the land. And, and if our church got a letter from Peter, oh God, they all would come just to listen to that letter that Peter wrote. They would listen to the pastor read that letter to the whole congregation, every Christian in the vicinity would come just to hear what Peter wrote to the church. Huh? And then, after they got finished listening and reading the letter of Peter, they would send it off to another church so the other church could read and hear the letter of Peter. But no, we have our own Bible. A whole Bible we have. And we still can't live nothing. Shame on us. But then they didn't have a Bible completed. So they depended more on prophets and prophecies and the prophetic word that everybody's giving out today. But now we have an even more clearer way because he speaks now mostly, mostly through the written word, through the Logos word of God. Mostly through the written word of God. It's the way the Spirit of the Lord is speaking nowadays, mostly. So we should become very acquainted with our Bibles. Page 64. Later, as we move in the New Testament era, God gives the church 
spiritual gifts for what for 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 so I can look uh, dignified so I can get uh my own uh church no uh, spiritual gifts for carrying out the work of ministry these gifts come to those who are united in Christ our spiritual gifts are not for us therefore the edifying of the body of Christ and at the bottom of page 64 you'll see how the Holy Spirit and the word ghost you know it's some people wouldn't like to refer to the Spirit of God as the Holy Ghost. Ooh, spooky. No, 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 no. But it's, it's, we just have perverted the word ghost, but it, it's the same Greek word for pneuma. Pneuma. Breath. Spirit of God. So if they say Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, uh, uh, same difference, okay? It's the same thing. It means the same thing. But long, longer that, that, twisted out. Page 65. Now look at the spirit in the life of Christ. Look at the spirit in the life of Christ. Now if Jesus Christ came to be our example, how we are to live, let's look at, at, at how the spirits function in his life. Both the new covenant which Jeremiah speaks of in Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34 and the message of Joel breaks forth in important demonstrations of power and divine activity in the New Testament power and divine activity in the New Testament because we see in Jeremiah how he mentions the new covenant and Joel how he speaks about the end times and the, and, and the breaking out of the spirit upon humanity the Holy Spirit then becomes the divine agent in the Son's incarnation the Holy Spirit takes a, a pivotal role uh, in the ministry of Jesus and in his life look at Isaiah 11 right here verses 1 through 3 look what it says Isaiah 11 1 through 3 at the bottom of page 65 it says there should come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Look, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Referring to Jesus, look at that. And the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, and the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of of the Lord. Look, look, you hear people quote the scripture, and the Spirit of the Lord shall come upon him, and, and the Spirit of wisdom, and, and they, they're referring that to themselves. No, this scripture right here is talking about the Spirit of the Lord was coming upon Jesus. We may spiritualize it and say, I want the Spirit of the Lord to come upon me like it did upon Jesus. But this verse of Scripture is talking about the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus. And if the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus, and, and that's, remember how we said last week, we noticed how the Spirit of the Lord 
immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? See, if, if, if the Spirit had to come upon Jesus like this, what can we do without it? What can I do without the Spirit of God if Jesus had to have it upon him before he went to ministry? In order for it to give him the spirit of counsel, wisdom, might, and understanding. And I'm just going to run out here and try to deal with people without the spirit. It's not going to work. Jesus says, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He said, outside of me, ye can do nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. We can't do nothing without the Spirit of God. So that's why it's so important that we learn to walk in the Spirit, become acquainted with the Spirit, learn to listen to His voice. And we're not talking about things that go bump in the night and, and no, no, none of that crazy stuff. We're talking about the Word of God and the, and the impressions He Put upon your heart. You, you get, you know, like sometimes you know you may get get a tooth put out or something. You don't feel the pain, but you can feel pressure. You know, he's working it. The dentist is working in your mouth. Same way with your heart. You, you, the spirit. You feel that he's urging you to do something. He's urging you to not to do something. He urges you to say something, and it always will be an urge that lines up with. The word of God. He's not going to ever tell you to do nothing outside of his word. That's, that's the way you can filter if it's the spirit of truth or is it the spirit of error. Is this the Lord telling me to do this or is this my flesh telling me to do this or this is the spirit of the enemy telling me to do this. Filter it through the word and, and run by Is that in the scripture somewhere? That, would that line up with the word? That's why you'll be able to understand. And if it's good, hey, obey the Spirit. Not only can we not do anything without the Spirit, what do we have that we did not receive? If I have the Spirit of the, 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 the gift of teaching, it's not that I'm such a good studier. It's that the Spirit give me the gift. If you have the gift of healing, it's not that you're so special. It's that the Spirit, when you got saved, gave you a gift. So what do we have that we did not receive? That we can't get to be so tight with one another and can't give the gift out to people freely. Oh, like they said, you know, hear that one man on TV. Oh, come and get your healing water. This healing water, he says, boy, it'll heal you from all your sicknesses. And he said the healing water will even make you rich. He said, for $19.99, I'll send you a vial of this healing water. Hey! Freely receive, freely give. If you got that much healing, why are you charging people? It is time out that the saints of God keep on playing dub and keep on letting the devil lead them around with their nose wide open for every trick and, and whim and wild of the enemy. It's time to gird up your loins and learn the scriptures 
and learn what the Bible says. And these fools won't be leading so many of God's people astray. The Holy Spirit accompanies Jesus from the very beginning until the end. Uh, look at that. This head of it. When, when, when the Spirit came upon Jesus, it stayed with him until he died. And then it raised him from the dead. But you hear people say, Oh, he's no mess with me. I might, I'm basically, I'm going to lay down my religion and have to come back and pick it up. Well, one preacher said, well, if you lay down your religion, if you put your religion on the shelf, where does somebody move the shelf while you're gone? And you come back to your religion, hey, you can't take off the Holy Spirit once he comes upon you. He's with you. How long is the Holy Spirit with you? When you receive him. Well, I'm so glad you asked. John 14 and 16 says, This spirit of truth will be unique to Christ's followers and will dwell with them and in them. Notice that. He said he will dwell with them and in them. You know, in order to dwell with somebody, you've got to agree to stay. You know, I'm going to, you know, you may have somebody, two people in the same house, but one of them, is dwelling there. They want to be. You may have somebody, oh, I'm just here because I got nowhere to go. I'm not, I'm, you know. But the Holy Spirit will dwell with you. He wants to be with us. All right? Like a, like a, a, a happy marriage. A happy relationship. They dwelling together. Hmm. He shall be in you. Look. I'm on page 66. Some translations renders him as helper, while others say he's a comforter. He refers to him as a helper because it more broadly captures the breath of all that the Spirit does for us. He will instruct these forgetful, spiritually weary disciples that we are. Huh? He will instruct us Remind us, huh? Restrengthen us. That's what Paul kept saying in his letters. We notice Paul here said, "Put them in remembrance. Remember, be reminded." He was constantly reminding the people of God of what the Word of God said. That's what we huh? That's what you gotta do. You gotta keep on stirring the pot. Keep on stirring it. Keep remind the people. Oh, that old preacher saying the same old thing. There he goes again. Right. And I'm going to keep on saying the same thing until Jesus comes. One of my pastors used to say, the members will come and they will bake him a cake or they'll put a piece of money in his hand and try to be so kindly to him. And then he said, he'd get up there, he, he, he said, well, right, well, thank you. But this, the cake was delicious. Thank you for that piece of money, bro. Thank you. God bless you. And he can get behind that pulpit and he still tell you that God said, stop sinning. And he, he said, he still tell them, the man, put that, leave that man's wife alone. Woman, leave that woman's husband alone. He said, I will preach the word to you and I'll take you eat your cake that you bake me. That's where a true man of God, a true woman of God why, why sure, thank you. You gonna take me shopping? 
that's right kind of you on Sunday morning, I'm still going to tell you, thou shalt not. See, that's what the Spirit of God does. That's what He's a teacher. He's a regular teacher for us. Look at St. John 14 and 26. St. John 14 and 26. Guess what? St. John 14 and 26 says, look at what it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Look, he will teach you all things. What do you mean he's going to teach you? Hey, we need a teacher. We don't know everything. How are you going to make a trip to somewhere you've never been? You need a guy, you need a teacher. How are you going to learn a subject that you never studied in school? You need a teacher. Have you ever been to heaven before? Has anybody breathing ever been there? No. So the only way we're going to know to get there is to listen to the teacher, follow his instructions. He said, he will teach you all things. What does it mean all things? That means he's going to teach me uh, about aerodynamics. He's going to teach me about uh, mechanics. No, no. He'll teach you all things that pertain to truth. Huh? He'll teach you all things that pertain to truth. Look what he said. And spring to your remembrance that because we are forgetful creatures. Oh, foolish man who did hinder you from obeying the truth. It's not that we don't know the truth. Huh? But the enemy will make us forgetful of God huh? when sin becomes so sweet to us. And when the delicacy of the enemy all oh, just delights us so much, we just seem to forget about God. But he says to the Holy Spirit, bring these things to your remembrance. What did he say? All that I have said unto you. And these very words are going to be the same words that's going to meet us and stare us in our face in the day of judgment. We also need a God. John 16, verse 13. John 16 and 13. Look. John 16. We need a God. You know? You're taking a journey. You've never been. You need a God. You're going through the through the woods you're going on a safari you need a guide you're going caving you need a guide y'all we need a guide through the word of God and how to live right we need a teacher and a guide John 16 and 13 look what it says <laughs> let's put our thinking caps on here huh look look at the Look at the text. Come here to me. Look. Watch this. But when he, look at that capital H. <laughs> see, see, the Holy Spirit is no less insignificant. He's no less significant than the Father or the Son. When he, when his authority, the, the Spirit of truth comes, look, he will guide you into see into all truth 
See, that's why I said, when he said he brings all things in your remember, teach you all things into all the truth. You know, somebody may ask you, stay with me now, stay focused. Somebody may ask you, can you run me over so-and-so's house, please? Because my car done broke down and, and, and I got another thing. Can you run me over, please? Sure, why, why, quite sure I'll run you over to so-and-so's house. I may run you to his house, but he's got to let you in the door. I don't have a key to his house now. I can take you over, and then you can kindly ring the doorbell, and they may let you in. That's what Jesus said here. Preacher can preach. The Sunday school teacher can teach. But the Holy Spirit has to open the door into truth. Huh? That's why you can have a few folk listen to the same sermon, a sermon and don't get nothing out of it. What did the preacher say? Uh, mm, right. And then you have these people over here that heard the same sermon and got spiritually fed. The Spirit got to let you into the truth. Look what he says. Read on. For he will not speak on his own initiative. But before I go, let's, let's go back to the word truth. I, I left the thought. He said he will lead you into all the truth. Singular. That lets us know there's not two or three, four or five different truths. There's only one truth. One truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but he, whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. What he hears, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit will share with you and let you know, hey, this is coming down the pipe. Hey, get to praying. You better turn that plate over. Hey, this is coming down the road. I don't know what it is. Sanctus, spiritus, sanctus. Elijah do little rope. Words, words, words. I'm so sick of words. I get words all day through. First from him, now from you. Is that all you preachers can do? Words, words, words. It's, you know, that's what it is when you're preaching or teaching without the Spirit. When you're trying to live without the Spirit. See? Yeah, it's just words. Hey, the Bible said the letter killing. There's some sharp things in this word. Cut you up, but the Spirit gives life. Hey, Spirit and truth. It's a sad thing. To try and listen to someone trying to preach or trying to teach or trying to be a man or woman of God without the Spirit. They're the only ones know, that don't know that they are functioning outside of their skill and outside of their gifting and outside of their ability. Hey, what did I, what's an old saying he used to say? If you got it, you got it. And if you don't, you don't. If you don't, find out what you do get. Find out what God did give you with, and you function in that area. You can't be this man or this woman 
Be who you are in Christ. And then you know what? After you are being who you are in Christ, who God gave you the ability to be, you know what else you need to do? Ask the Lord. Lord, satisfy me. Hey! Give me a satisfied spirit. So I'll be happy with who I am in Christ. Happy with what I got. Happy with who I am. Ain't always trying to equal up with somebody else. Ask God to give you the satisfy you. You don't have to be changing like a chameleon every time you see a new preacher, hear a new song, you think that's what you're supposed to do. Hey! That may be that's what God told them to do. Maybe. But you you just talk along with what God gave you to do and, and, and be satisfied in that. Hmm. I got off track, y'all. Anyway. Huh. Preaching and teaching without the Spirit is like trying to face a full-grown life without a single weapon in hand. We got to learn to go with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Page 66 is the bottom of the page. The Spirit of God, the Spirit and the people of God. Now I'm going to ask you to put your thinking cap back on because we're going to look at a verse of Scripture that uh, could be confusing. And it's Joel chapter 2 verses 28 through 32. Now this, these verses of scripture, uh, if you went to the church, churches that I went to, uh, we were taught that Joel 2 verses 28 through 32 were scriptures that talked about the church now and what was going to happen as the second coming of Christ and what was going to happen at the end of the world. So it was just like a combinations of different things that people would tell us that this scripture means. But but let's read it. And let's read it. Joel 2, 28, and find out what is really saying to the people of God. And it shall come to pass afterward, or in the last days, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Or in other words, they shall preach, prophesy, or proclaim the word. And your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, even on the male and the female servants. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I'm going to stop right there. Now, now if this verse of scripture is talking about us now, it says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. But that's every, all is all, right? So that means everybody's supposed to have the spirit... And we know now everybody don't have the spirit. And it says your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, preach, declare the word, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we know that all sons and all daughters are not now prophesying and not now preaching. Uh, your old men, uh, a lot of our old men are asleep. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, young men, you see, visions. Look, male and female, what you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is that this verse refers to this refers to a portion of what happened, but not all of it has happened yet. 
And that's the thing about God's word and, 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 and God's prophecies. A lot of times God will give a prophecy or give a word that will straddle different time periods. We oftentimes find ourselves living in the in-between a prophetic word. Sometimes we may be on a portion of the prophetic word where a portion of it has been fulfilled, but not all of it has. Because a portion of this verse was fulfilled in Acts 2.16. Huh? When the, when the, in the day of Pentecost, when the, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the first church, that's a portion of this verse being fulfilled in partiality. Huh? But not all of it has been completed yet. That's a portion. Once again, living in the in-between of God's prophetic word. That has we're already there, but not yet. See? So we got to hold on. Mama may be here when the word first comes, but before the word is fulfilled, Mama may be dead and gone. Her children are seeing the fulfillment. So learn to live in the in-between. But this portion of this was uh, completed on the day of Pentecost. And it refers to a taste of what will be completed when Christ returns the second time. Huh? What are you talking about the second time? Well, you may say, well, the scripture says in the last days, uh, so, so there has to be now, there has to be now, because we're living in the last days. Thank you kindly, thank you kindly, but don't you know, the last days started when Jesus came on the scene? That began the last days when Jesus first came on the earth. That, that was the beginning of the last days. So we've been in the last days for, for quite a while now. But it ain't all yet been fulfilled. And all flesh refers to everyone living in the millennial kingdom. I'm not going to go into detail about the millennial kingdom now. But if you stay with us and if you complete this study, we will cover the millennial kingdom in later chapters. And we're going to go now. But I will finish reading the rest of Joel 2. Uh, 28 to 32 at the top of page 67 that refers a portion to the millennial kingdom. And he says, And I will show wonders in the heavens on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall return to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. See, that's referring to uh, uh, the, the, the second coming of Christ. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved there in the millennial kingdom. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape. And as, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those who call who the Lord calls. So this verse stretch, stretches from Pentecost all the way to the end of the millennial kingdom. The Pentecost was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. Page 67. Yet it is the result that shocked the Jews and the Gentiles alike. They were somehow able to... What shocked the Jews and the Gentiles was that these Gentiles and all these different people were speaking in, 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 in tongues on the day of Pentecost. And it shocked them somehow because they heard 
one another speak in their respective languages. See? It wasn't just pig Latin. Bo, 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 bo. Coming in my hunter. No, no, no. These, on the day of Pentecost, they were shocked that the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians and the Greeks and the Gentiles and the Zodiacs and all of these people, the Cretes, the, hey, they were all speaking in different languages from the, it's, it's just like you speak English and then and the Holy Spirit fell upon you in those days, you automatically started speaking a Persian or, or you automatically started speaking Italian. It was a acknowledged, cultivated language that they were speaking. And, huh? We're not talking about a heavenly language. We're not talking about a heavenly language. And, and I, I have yet to find anybody to school me on what a heavenly language is. So who on this who on the earth can tell you? This is a heavenly language because it says this or because it says that. How do you, how do you know it's a heavenly language if you ain't been to heaven? To, you know, how do you know? Because Paul said, when I went to heaven and I heard the language, he said, I was forbid to speak. So Paul didn't say, mum's the word. I don't know what I, mm-mm. He said, those words should not be spoken. So let's leave the heavenly language to God. And if God moves upon us through the Spirit to speak a heavenly language, that's God's doing. But as long as we understand that on the day of Pentecost, they were not speaking pig Latin. They were speaking civilized languages. That's what got their attention. That's what got their attention. See, God is a wise God. Huh? He's God full of wisdom. Whew. He, he knows how to get... You know how many brilliant minds came out of Europe? Came out of Asia? Greece and Rome? Aristotle, Socrates? Brilliant minds came out of that side of the country side of the world. So it took a brilliant God to get their attention and straight them up and say, look what I'm doing. So let's not bring God down to our level. Let's come up to what he wants us to be. We're almost done now. Page 68. And then when, he, when the Holy Spirit came, he came with power. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In other words, he gave them the dunamis or he gave them the ability or he gave them the energy to do what he's called them to do. Uh, hey, I've been saved all this time and I, I ain't felt no dunamis. As I've been saved for 20 years, I ain't felt no uh, dunamis. Hey, well, let me tell you, if you, if you still living for Christ, 
and these last evil days, you still serving the Lord, you still, you still holding on. Hey, you you got a whole lot doing it. because. If you, if God gives you the, the ability to, to stay in his word, to be faithful with tithing and offerings, that's dunamis. If he keeps, if he gives you the ability to stay home with your husband and not whore the streets, that's dunamis. If he gives you the ability to stay home with your wife and be husband to one wife, that's dunamis. We look for all these special signs and wonders. Hey, hey, it gives you power to live right. That's Judas sake. Hey, come down there. Come on down here with the rest of us. And see what his what his word is saying. That's Judas. Not that we're so mystical and we're so powerful, but we can't live nothing. We got an ounce of love. And then he said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to share it. Tell somebody. And you know what else? I find out that the dunamis will do for you, the Holy Spirit power will do for you. Because, hey, we living in these days now, y'all. That's a good about the you know what? That's a dunamis, and we're gonna be almost done here. You know that's a dunamis gonna lead you and help you know. I, I, I well, I just may be talking to me and my my three, because you know you you may live on that nice side of town. You may not have the problem that I have, but you know I'm just gonna let me just talk to those that live on my side of the town. What dunamis will help you too? On my side of the town, every other corner. You see somebody with a sign saying they need food, they need money. Everywhere. How, wait a minute. How's all these people need all this money when every fast food place you rescue grab has, almost every business has a hiring sign up in the window. And you still need money? The doing this will lead you who's phone at and who's real on the street. Oh, yes, you will. Some, you got some of the best actors on that corner. So you, we ought to send them to Hollywood. They need an Oscar where they be acting. Like they so homeless. Uh-huh. He'll lead you, saints. He'll lead you. The spirit is enabled to open the eyes of the spiritual blind. Page 68. Regardless of where they may be. I'm going to read that again. See, the Spirit, thank you, Lord. The Spirit is able to open the eyes of the spiritually blind, regardless of where they may be. So it's okay. It's okay to play second fiddler to a bigger personality. God needs people in second position. Everybody can't be the biggest preacher, the biggest televangelist, the biggest ministry. Who, who, who would reach the, the, the low people if we were all big shots? It's okay. 
God needs you where you are at. And once again, ask God to satisfy your spirit so you won't be so tossed to and from. This ain't satisfied. Satisfy us. Spiritual guidance is one of the most important roles of the Holy Spirit. This is the reason. That the Bible teaches us to test the spirits. Because many are out there to deceive us. Hmm? That's why it's so important to have a biblical, a biblical pneumatology. Pneumatology is the study of the spirit. You should have a biblical pneumatology. And this will help to guide you. It will help to shape your Christian life the way it ought to be shaped. Huh? There ain't nothing wrong with this word. Ain't nothing wrong with this word. You know, hey, it's like an old pattern. Once again, like I'm going to say it again. You get an old solid pattern and that pattern works. Ain't nothing wrong with the pattern. If there's a flaw in the dress or in the shirt or in the pair of britches, if there's a flaw in that, it must be in the material because ain't nothing wrong with pattern. Pattern is solid. The word of God is solid. He hung heaven and earth on his word. Hey, your very life hey, is hung on the word of God. You best learn to trust it. Holy Father, we thank you again for another privileged night to look into your word. Oh God, we ask that you forgive us for our shortcomings, but not coming up to it. Forgive us for our misunderstandings. Lord, forgive us for our disobedience to you. And now, Lord, we ask that you give us the power to obey your word and be what you called us to be. And these last neighbor days can come up a little bit higher. Uh, since we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Good night.